everyone. Welcome to episode 326 of This Is Whole Life. And we have a very special guest today. And I looked back and it's been about 55 episodes since you've heard his voice on the podcast. And, you know, it had probably been about, well, let's see, that would be about 250 in a row that you didn't hear his voice pretty much or pretty close. There was a few here and there in the summer series we didn't hear it. But we have a special guest this week. It's Andy McDonald. And if you were ever a part of Florida Hospital Church and right up to the beginning of when we, the whole life transition, Andy, of course, was a big part of that. But Andy was here for a total, what, 37 years? Uh, a couple months shy of 37. Couple, <laughs> couple months shy. Uh, I think we can round up. Round yeah, up to 37. Because you're back. So you've probably already made that up by now, I would think. So, you know, before we begin, we do have a question from last week in our in our message on marriage. We've been getting a ton of questions, and so I actually missed it in the shuffle. So we're going to get to that. But before we begin, everyone is always asking about podcast swags or anything we can purchase, anything we can buy. And this week, I have an announcement because we have a uh, we have a new sponsor. So here we go. I'm going to read the copy from this week's sponsor. Have you been missing Andy McDonald? Maybe as much or more than most, is your Saturday morning just not like it used to be? Do you need a little more Andy, but even better? Then we have a deal you won't want to miss. Christ like Andy. It's like Andy, but better. And for a limited time, you can go to wholelife.church slash Andy on the wall to get your Christ like Andy today for just $19.95 plus shipping and handling. And right now, if you order the next 10 minutes, you'll send you two with another shipping and handling, which is a little bit more expensive. So, Andy, tell us what we're going to get if we order the Andy on the wall. <laughs> I'm, this is the first time I've ever heard of this. But now you, I, I, I'm mortified <laughs> to even think about such a thing. <laughs> no, we, we're, we're going to talk about this in more detail. But you brought up that uh, you could eventually, if you work hard enough, maybe you could get no, a Christ like Andy and Andy on the wall. That no, was it, a false That was a false saying, was not it? a true saying. I was, oh. I was saying that was a wrong thing to think about doing. Oh. Oh, well then, never so mind. Randy, you might want to pay a little bit more attention during Maybe. the uh, services here. Because so. I caught second service and I was pretty sure of what I heard, but apparently I was off. Never yeah. mind. We're not going to. No wholelifechurch.com. Don't go there. There's nothing. <laughs> apparently, there's nothing there for us to have. But it was. It was funny when you said it, and it made me laugh. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta at least bring this up because if you haven't heard the message, now you have to go and listen to the message yep. to find out where it came from. And it was, uh, it was a true Andyism. I loved it. I, I was, thought you were bringing back the old Avenue trading cards. <laughs> no, not, not, not that either. <laughs> not that either, man. All right. So Michelle had a question, and it was from last week, and it was. Are dynamics in a marriage that are consensual but unequal still unbiblical? And the she gave a uh, she gave an example. If a married couple consents to one of them being dominant or one of them being submissive it, with that dynamic in their marriage, is that dynamic unbiblical? I'm asking about just consensual. This is what we're decided. One of us is going to be dominant. One of us will be submissive. Well, wow, Andy, uh, yeah. Andy, do you want to take a swing at that one? No, or are you no, gonna... I, I'm waiting. I want to hear Ken say it. This, this is, <laughs> Ken preached on this, and I, 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 have, I have no idea. Because I, I honestly don't have I, any idea. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pondering it. As it's, it's got, it's you know, ponder it more because I think it does. You have to be really careful who's setting the vote and how does that vote even work? Or you know, if you say that I'm deciding to be 
submissive. I'm deciding to be dominant in relationship. You know, how do you arrive at that? And I know that there are people who say, oh, I don't want to make decisions and I don't want to. To be honest with you, marriages are are very unique from the standpoint of, I think that there is a very good reason why God said male, female, Jew, Greek, you know, there is, I think yeah. he tried to level that out. And uh, it's important that when you say, oh, I'm, I'm being submissive by... So you're having doubts that but, you could even come to that conclusion, or you're worried about how I'm, two I'm worried come about to that, how they came to, to that, that conclusion. conclusion. Okay, but you know, yeah. Jeff, in, in premarital counseling, mm-hmm. oftentimes when you look at a person's personality, one is more dominant, one is more submissive. Sure, in that's that, personality. It's a personality yeah. issue, and so oftentimes, you know, if you have two very dominant personalities, there can be a lot of fireworks. If you have two <laughs> submissive ones, it's sort of boring. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> and, but if you have one of each, you know, they it can balance out, and people both find. They figure it out. Okayness in their roles. Um, and I, but I but guess, is it biblical? Well, I, I'm about to get myself in trouble. There, there's a lot of things <laughs> that we do that are based on biblical principles, but aren't necessarily biblical. In other words, the Bible didn't. So uh, I'll uh, I'll use like, I'll go ahead and just step in it right now. Like, for instance, the Seventh-day Adventist system of tithing. It's based on biblical principles, but if you go to the Bible, you will not see the structure and the way that we do it. And somebody will say, oh, yeah, yeah, but the, the, yeah, it's based on principles. So it's not unbiblical, but you could also do it another way, and it would still be biblically based. It's a great illustration. It's just a different yeah. way. And so what I would say is I just kind of want to— kind of reiterate a little bit of what Jeff said. So if, if you're in a marriage and genuinely both of you have decided this is the way that works best in our relationship, is it biblical? Maybe. Is it unbiblical? Probably not. But I think that what we what we want to avoid is manipulation mm, and selfishness, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where one person dominates another out of selfishness and to the disadvantage of the other. And that would be unbiblical. But, you know, for, for one person to say, I guess for me it's an interesting thing, because I just can't think, like, I guess maybe it's just the way my marriage works. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around <laughs> around this idea. But I find that in my marriage, that, that I, for me, there's certain things that I submit to Rochelle on that it's just she's smarter, she knows more about it, and I just know that. And so for me, it's just better for me to go, hey, you're better at that. Let me go ahead and let you take the lead on this one. And there's some things that Rochelle knows that it's just kind of giftedness that God's given me. And so for her, she'll she'll kind of say, hey, can you take the lead on that one? And so I think that what scares me is the idea that one person would be so much better than another person <laughs> that there's no area that the other person needs to take the role of submitting on. And so that's, I guess yeah. that would be something I, I guess. I, I, think, would, I think I would also add to that and the fact that sometimes what we do is we, we use stereotypes or gender kind of narratives gender roles, and yeah. gender roles for creating those, those pieces. But also the idea of understanding that my personality maybe, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, I'm more outspoken. I, you know, I think with my mouth open, you know, I, you know, 
I, you know, I feel those like you're kind of, describing me, Jeff. I know. I was <laughs> like, why, why are you looking at me? me yeah. But it, I think it's really important that whoever is the the quick the quicker one to yeah. speak be the quicker one to try to find what the other person's yeah. opinion might be. Right. Yeah. I think that that's the risk is that the yeah. submissive is being submissive because they feel like they have no other choice. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's yeah. and then then we're outside of biblical principles. Yeah. yeah. I think that's easy to fall into as well, even if you don't mean it. Because if if you're a kind of an extrovert or that person like me with your mouth open and your spouse will sometimes just automatically take a, a back seat and not say something that they wanted to say or they feel like you're dominating conversation when essentially you're it doesn't seem that way to you because it feels natural, but it feels unnatural to them. And if that's not a communicated thing, that can fester like a whole bunch of problems because you're not aware and they're not saying and that that, that could be a really unhealthy uh, yeah. dynamic. Yeah. So to answer the question, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Cool. <laughs> All right, Michelle, thank you. And sorry we missed your question. We've been, uh, again, uh, they, the questions have exploded over the last, I would say, month and a half. And so then with getting them all into one place that was on me because I went back and looked and of course it was not Tammy who had missed the question getting it to me <laughs> what? It was, yeah I know right what? hard to believe <laughs> hard to believe it wasn't uh, the person that actually sends them it was the recipient error 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 easy for me to say <laughs> so speaking of just dynamics like we just talked about um why is it i mean i listened to andy's message and you brilliantly went through all the different stages and the things that we always want to do or the things we think we want to do and the one thing that I, that was common throughout was can we just get on to the next one already? Because there's always something in the next. I, it's my birthday. It's my half birthday. That means more presents. Oh, when I get my driver's license. And I'm just going to tell you, Andy, I love your story about the drive, getting your driver's license, borrowing the credit card, and going out on a date on your 16th birthday. That's a, that's a heavy, that's a, <laughs> a well-done, well-planned first uh, 16th birthday, as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. And- my daughter, she could not wait to get, and she was upset that she was going to turn 16 because she misunderstood the time frames for starting. But 16, she's got her license, and she's pretty happy about All it. All right. <laughs> so, but why is it that there's always a carrot somewhere that we have to have through the whole point? And I'm not in this. I'm not as old as you are, but at the same time, I, I remember like I can't wait till I'm 16. Man, there's going to be some freedom involved there, and oh man, you know if if college is next and where and you know man, then well I got to get through this and you know and no matter where you are, we don't seem to stop and just want to sit down and and isn't there some kind of biblical standard for <laughs> you know slowing down and enjoying the roses? I know that's I don't think that's a verse. I think that's just a popular saying. But does nobody? Did nobody give us counsel on this to not be looking so far ahead? Yeah, being present is a great thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, it's it's all part of mindfulness as well. Just to really be be present where we are. And you think about people who are noted for their worrying. Mm. It's usually because they're rushing further on down the pike and imagining things that may never be. Um, yeah. But it's it's to to just sort of stop and enjoy whatever season we're in and appreciate that moment and stay present. I think I think all of us need to do this. It's not just people that are in their 40s and 50s. It's even people that are younger. This this presence piece. Matter of fact, I'll tell people to just have a worry time. You use you set out a wow. time, and you give yourself 10 minutes. Give yourself whatever you need. 
10 minutes. That's not going to get any worrying oh, done, Jeff. Well, I mean, not they, real worry. They can be their own monitor, but you know, give yourself a minute, a minute or so of time to say, this is where I'm going to worry. And do that whole time. That's the time to worry. Hmm. And then be present after that, you know, and take, take the time you need to do it, but then stop and stop ruminating because ruminating just spi- most of the time it spirals and we usually pile but we, we, but we tend to not be present even when we're present is our problem right, right. Is, and because well, we tend to try to multitask. We we eat our meal and watch TV at the same time. We we try to do two things, or talk on the phone, work on Facebook. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for just doing one thing at a time. I, I've been trying <laughs> this week because I'm notorious for trying to get a lot done. I've been trying to just eat my meal and just eat my meal hmm. and not be reading mail or a book mm-hmm. or you know watching yeah. a video or whatever. Is that helping your short-term memory any? What? <laughs> just, just, Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not so much. No. So as a kind of a veteran now, I mean, I like the way the, the setup you get, <laughs> that you gave about how they got you here to uh, preach this message of the season. Maybe it was a little hidden, a little hidden meaning there. So out of out of all that you've been through, which one has been the most rewarding and the toughest? What do we got to look forward to for those of us still chasing you? The, the <laughs> most rewarding and, and toughest season? Yeah. Was there one that was just like, man, if I could go back and do my 30s over again, that was the grandest. Or, man, I don't want to stay away from those 50s because that was, hmm. Yeah, I, I have... Boy, I don't know if, if I could figure out what was really great. I, I I really have had a charmed life in very many ways, and every season has been amazing with lots of good stuff going on. So it's it's hard to say. Oh, that was the best one. I, I'm anticipating that dying will be a char- a challenging season. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I think there were there were there were times within my career path as pastor here that you go through uh, ups and downs and so there I, there were a couple of times that were some really tough really tough days and then there were some there were some days that were just like you know are we on drugs this is so good you know? yeah yeah i was hoping that you just said like hey the 50 like once you hit 55 cuz i'm right around the corner just had a birthday like you know like 55 to 60 that's like the the five best years you're ever going to have so i was just you know hoping for some warm and fuzzies I, I, I really think that I, one of the one of the things i hope people took home from the message uh maybe not is whatever season you're in is the best season yeah i mean we only have today we don't have yesterday's gone tomorrow's not here yet you know, just really engage with the day you're at. Be present, uh, look for opportunities, be observant, listen, and just enjoy the, the current season, whatever it is. Hmm. I think that's easier for some people than others, right? <laughs> I was right? just going to say that. Because like, I resonate with you. For me, wherever I'm at is where I'm at. I'm happy with it. I'm not much of a backward looker. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, and sometimes that's bad. You know, sometimes you need to reflect on the past so you don't make the same mistakes over again. Oh, let's do it again. Come on. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but I also have friends that are very much living somewhere else. For me, I have a hard time understanding that because like I said, where I'm at, I'm just like, well, this is where I'm at. If anything, my, my struggle is not to be looking ahead but to be here because I'm not a backward looker, but I right. am. I love what, ooh, what could be happening? What could we do there? You know, and, mm-hmm. and rushing things. And I think that different personalities tend to live in the moment different ways. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I have to rein in what could be 
and enjoy what is. And I, I really appreciate that about the sermon uh, very much, because it did come through. It was very much <laughs> a part yeah. of that sermon is that that God is in every season, doesn't love you more, doesn't love you less. You, you're not more saved or less <laughs> saved. You know, it's it's about being with God wherever you're at. It's kind of, what's that old country song, uh, you're going to miss this or miss that, you're going to miss that? There's a country song I where... I think that's every country song, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but this one, I think it's maybe Randy Travis or somebody like that does it, and he talks about, um, he starts off, he's, he's got a daughter who can't wait to drive, mm. I think, and then can't wait to get married, and then you know, can't wait for the kids to be out of diapers. And, and each time the dad says, you're going to miss this. There's Because there's just this um, blessing in every stage of life um, that's easy to get lost. And it's easy also, I think, to freak out that that you're not going to make it past this stage. Oh, you <laughs> know, my kids, what, what, you know, or, you know, my marriage, what's going to happen? And we're in a lot, reality, a lot of times if we just relax, it actually is a lot better. I even think that that stage of... I the reason I wasn't here um, this Saturday for church service was because I was at um, conference for mission that Advent Health puts on uh, once a year, and it was it was really good. And w- there was uh, a panel of people that was speaking. One of the speakers talked about how uh, her brother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He mm-hmm. died in three months. Mm-hmm. Died in three months, and. Towards the end of that three months, he was talking to her, and he said it was the best three months of his life. Wow. He said it was because he stopped everything, Mm -hmm. and as she said, everybody made the pilgrimage to see him, and he he didn't do things he didn't want to do. He just focused on the people he loved, spent time with them, and at the end told her it was the best three months of his life. And so I think even... Even in that season where where death can come along, and I, I, you know, easy for me to say at this point, but I think even there you can find beauty in that moment and meaning and and Jesus in all of that. And so, Andy, I really thought it was just such a good sermon, such a just a good reminder for all of us that it's not about it's not about rushing through. It's not about it's about soaking in, appreciating where you're at, and appreciating God where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like, I think it's okay, though, though, Ken, for people like you and me who want to look forward a lot <laughs> to, to to recognize that we can be present yeah, and with our with our family, present with our people around us, and at the same time, uh, in that presence, be contemplating what the future might be. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, because I agree with that. I, I, you won't get any arguing out of me. I, uh... Well, and... In, in... I think part of being able to do that is going back to Andy on the wall while it was a little humorous, but in, in reality, you said when we, when we look at our lives in any season and feel like we haven't like lived up to our potential, even for us or more so in God's potential, you said, maybe we've imagined this becoming like Christ is to be like going to school and getting a degree. You attend classes, you work, you work, you work, and at some point you graduate, the degree is granted, and you got a diploma to hang on your wall. I mean, we've all felt this way, and honestly, I feel like that's a that's a pretty heavy bag to to drag around with you, if you're constantly waiting for somehow 
you're you're done with this part because now I, I'm I'm all grown up. I'm all up. I'm all <laughs> I'm I'm up on Jesus to the top. Uh, I, I understand it all. So have you received your certificate yet? Because you're ahead of us, and you, you haven't, right? <laughs> no, no. And, and I think it's again back about living in the present as part yeah. as, as all part of that. But I think recognizing that there is no arrival point. Mm. Um, we we imagine that we have so many places in our lives where we do this to get to this, and there's there's the end. There's an yeah. end, and uh, until glorification, which is probably post most of all of our deaths, uh, <laughs> you know, we're not we're not done. Yeah. And so, if, if Paul wasn't done, I'm okay with not being done. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then <laughs> you said, you know, like a lot of people, you thought that man, it's probably going to get easier when I'm older. Like, right, like the kids will be gone, my mortgage will be paid, I won't have such high stress on my finances, and then I'll get to this retirement or close to it, man, and again, I'll have it pretty much figured out, and I'll be a little bit be a little mm. bit easier to follow God. Yeah. And then you're like, well, yeah, but then it's, uh, you know, we have to become like children in order to, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Sure. And then that's a whole other paradigm to just kind of shift and throw uh, for that last season. But at the same time, it should bring us a little bit of comfort if we look at it and just try to be a little more simplistic, be, be in the now. Yeah, I couldn't get it in the sermon. I, w- I wanted to, but I, I really believe that life is a series of letting goes. We let go of the womb to become an infant. We let go of infancy to become a toddler. We let go of a toddler to become a child and all the way, all all the way, the way on up, through. Yeah. And each time we have to let go, and it, and it becomes harder. It's harder to be a, an adolescent than it is to be a child. It's mm. harder to be an adult than it is to be an adolescent. So we have this illusion that somehow life's going to get easier, and it gets better, but it also gets harder. Yeah. Because uh, when we let go of one thing uh, and step into the unknown of the next stage, uh, the next season, we have all this to learn. You know, we're a novice. We're an, I'm a novice retiree. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I've never done this before. And so we, we step into a whole new world of that, that we have to learn, and maybe we'll become an expert about the time we get to be an expert in one then season, we move, we move to the next season. <laughs> So it's it's a really important to take the pressure off looking for an end or an arrival point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I resonated with what you said about, you know, the kids are gone, all this happens, and then the two of you are sitting there, husband and wife, and you're sitting there like, well, uh, hi, how are you? Like, who, who are you? <laughs> I'll never forget my my parents. My dad was, was already retired. My mom... Uh, when they weren't here in Florida for a couple months in the winter, she worked uh, part time, and because she enjoyed it, didn't want to didn't want to quit. And then the year that I think it was the second year they spent the full like January to April, both in the same RV, you know, not a house, not upstairs, downstairs, not. And one day my mom just called me and she said, "Hey." You, you must have something at your house that your dad can help you with, right? <laughs> uh, she's like, he's trying to help me cut up uh, vegetables for dinner and, and all this and help me clean. And, you know, like basically he's not doing it right. So, you know, could you come over? And we laughed a little bit. And then I've seen them grow in their retirement to the point where it's a seamless relationship, just like it always <laughs> was or as close to it was probably in the growing up and kids and all those years. And the one thing that really hit home, and I, I thought it was something that I hate to focus on the negative, and it's not really negative, it's just a warning or a, a realization probably in Christ Object Object Lessons by Ellen White, you had a quote from her saying, there's nothing so offensive to God or so dangerous to the human soul as pride and self-sufficiency. <laughs> oh boy. Of all sins, it is the most hopeless and the most incurable. 
that's pretty. That's a pretty uh, damning assessment of us relying on ourselves for for things. I was invited to a book club that meets on Tuesday at noon. Um, I just had it today. And group of eclectic group of people. None of uh, just one person was part of this church, but they're just from all over. all over. Anyway, but it's really interesting. These Christian men um, struggling. Str- I should. Str- yeah, I'd say struggling to be okay with. God saving them. These are very accomplished. Uh, most of them are attorneys. Uh, you know, they've they've had good careers. They're early retirees or st- on the edge of retirement. And we want we want credit. We we want we want some hand in this thing so we can deserve it. And that's a pretty I mean, the the pull to self sufficiency. And independence is really, really strong. It goes back to the original temptation and sin, I believe, and how to let go and going mm. going backwards over time and becoming a child again may may help us to may help with that. <laughs> let go of that sin. <laughs> yeah, I think the the self sufficiency part of it that we sometimes miss a little bit is like we we hear that quote and we think, oh, you know, she's talking about I can do this, I can do that. She's talking about your salvation. Mm-hmm. It's like I can take care of my salvation, Jesus. I will keep these commandments <laughs> and I'll do that. And I am self-sufficient. I mean, you've paid for it, but I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I cover the check as well. And um, <laughs> and that's I think that's what a lot of Christians will struggle with. There's a a level of I've got this. I'm going to work a little harder. I'm going to try a little harder which doesn't allow you to rest in the season that you're in. Mm-hmm. Actually, it makes it harder, a lot harder to rest in that season and be mindful because you are thinking about how, you know, that it, it's so much about your attitude of who you are and how, and if you really believe that it is up to you, it'll leave you pretty hopeless on this scale. And so why would you want to stay in that moment? Hopeless and exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that viewpoint, just it's exhausting in itself because there's everything's tied to it. Everything that you can think of that you did wrong or that you should do better at, it's all tied to that salvation somehow. And that's just something that, well, maybe, and maybe it was just because of my journey where I was so long away from church. And then when I came back, I had really good mentors. Hmm. I had, you know, Bill Crofton and, and Danny Hernandez. And today I saw one of my favorite people in the world, Reynold Acosta, a very big mentor in my spiritual life about how you deal with things when you were raised to believe that, you know, there, there's bootstraps that are, I mean, that's what they're for. What do you think they were put there for? Let's get this done. And, you know, my grandfather's famous thing, if you didn't want to go and, and help with whatever being done, those that don't work, don't eat. And, you know, you had that just kind of drilled into your head. And when you add that to your salvation, it was like, who can possibly drag all this around? I know I couldn't. It wasn't attractive. It wasn't fun. And f- frankly, <laughs> heaven couldn't possibly be cool enough, good enough, grand enough to carry this around for my whole life. That was my whole attitude wrapped up right there. And then when you have people speak into your life who are like, well, you know, give yourself a little grace. You know, this is a process. It's a journey. And Jesus loves you no matter what, and he already took care of it. So there's nothing you can do to add. 
and bringing that journey. So I, I really hope, and I believe it did come through in the message as well, but I really hope people just under, really grasp that point. And, and if you're thinking on it, you're holding on to it, think more, pray more on that. And, and if you need someone, you know, look for someone in your life that maybe has that part a little bit figured up. I had a family member very close to me once say, man, I wish I had what you had. I was like, what do I have that somebody else wants? I, you know, and it's like, well, you know, you're saved. And I was like, I thought all Christians thought we were saved. I mean, that's the, like, that's right. That's it. Right. Jesus, the cross, the whole thing. Right. And it just, but if it's not there, it's not there. If that's not something you've figured out and internalized and given to Jesus, it's just not there. Well, I mean, if, if you had one thing you could tell someone that feels stuck there, cause that's one that it always just ugh, gets in me. And, and I, I really f- feel hard for people that haven't got that, just that sense of security and that love of Jesus. That's like, no matter what I do, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And somehow we're going to get through whatever we're in, whatever season, whatever trouble is in that season. Is there anything we can just tell people like, this is something that, I mean, maybe it's a book, maybe it's an exercise, it's a prayer. It's a read Titus three verses. I don't know, three through seven. I think it is. Anyway, it basically it's the, it's the best place in Scripture, I think, where it talks about our part and God's part and the results. Okay. And basically, our part is to be wicked and sinful and messed up and all kinds of— it, Ooh, it, I, I'm it, good it, at that. It lists them there. Yeah, I'm good at and that. And then it says, but then God our Savior saved us because of his great kindness and mm. tells you all the things that God does. And then the last part of the verse says, and so now we know that we will inherit eternal life. It's, mm, it's, that's a, pretty. it's a really clear picture of our part— be messed up, God's part, <laughs> save us, and result. And and, and I, again, I said it in the message. I think to use as maybe maybe a a sentence during your mindfulness times or whatever meditations or whatever. Yeah. You know, God, you are savior, therefore I'm saved. You know, God, you're like the that. redeemer, I'm redeemed. Um, God, you know, you're the reconciler, I'm reconciled. Good things to remember. Um, maybe uh, take those verses from Titus. Maybe that's a bathroom mirror or, <laughs> you know, car dash or yeah. wherever you're spending the majority of your time, a good reminder there. And when I did, when I just baptized the, um, Caroline and Will Vargas, I actually framed that. Did you? Our part, God's part, and results kind of thing Ooh. for each of them. All right. Maybe I'm going to put that up in here. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's good. it never hurts to have a reminder, right? <laughs> All right. Well, that... Uh, That'll that'll wrap up our message portion. So let's get on to the questions. We only have a oh, few. Oh, good this grief! Week. I thought that we, I thought we were done. What he thought? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Things no. things have changed here, Andy, since you've been back. It used to be fifteen minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're yeah, we're about fifteen minutes in. It's, it just seems longer, Andy, as Randy checks clock and knows he's lying. <clears throat> Sorry. Anyway. All right, first question came from Anonymous. Oh, this was just a comment. Well, let's do the comment first. The hard part is learning to lean on God for everything or all because the world upholds self-sufficiency and gives accolades to individual successes. We're all human and sinners, and we need His grace. How come we don't give accolades for those that just are like, hey, I'm, I'm sufficient, I'm God, Christ is sufficient, the cross? I mean, is there accolades we can give, or is that does that defeat the purpose? We could offset those, maybe. I, I still, uh, given those accolades, could be a little scary. I think that's probably the problem, right? <laughs> the more we, the more we do that. 
think the accolades are already there. Well done. I think that yeah. was a, well, that was a word. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. All right. So we have two questions from Jahimi. The first one is, "What is your Christ-like defense against being so irritated so easily?" Because we got we got places to go, we've got seasons to get through, we got problems and hills and valleys. What's like your best Christ-like defense against getting irritated? I mean, I'm asking because I'm like Jahimi. I'd like to know because I get irritated on occasion (laughs) or more often than occasion. Gratitude. Mm, Mm, That's a good one. Yeah. Gratitude. Yeah. I think the other part of it is just is is trying to train yourself to slow down. Mm. (laughs) Just to to not feel like it has to be – because that's where I tend – I don't know how – how that works for Jahemi, but you know, for me, my irritation level goes up usually because I feel like somebody's getting in the way of something that I need to be doing now. Sure, our agendas get blocked, and that's where anger comes from. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so for, for me, it's it's a little bit of that chill, bro. Chill, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the <laughs> yeah, just taking a deep breath and thinking uh, about why. What, what some self reflection about why am I? Why is this irritating me? Um, yeah. And some self-compassion about that as well. Yeah. That's good. I've been saying chill bro in my head. I'm not kidding you. Since <laughs> You're last week. That's no, ear bug right you. there. No, it's right there. You know, really quickly though, yeah. um, it's sometimes you you might need to just let yourself be irritated. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. okay to be irritated. You don't have to judge yourself on it. You don't you don't want to lash out or act that out onto somebody. Sure. But irritation is just an emotion, just like every other emotion. We we, don't give it we, so much power. Yeah, just say, okay, I'm irritated. I don't like being irritated, and I'll move on eventually. Yeah, but okay. that's so, a, that's good, Jeff. Owning it, that is good, owning yeah. it, and and speaking into it, sort of like naming the yeah. elephant in the room kind exactly. of thing. I'm irritated. Oh, I'm ir- that's what's irritated. wrong. I'm irritated. Yeah. All right. Final question is also from Jahimi. There is so much bullying happening in our world. Is there wisdom that can be gained from being bullied? I know this was Christ's experience as well, being bullied. So what? What? Um, I'd like to jump on that one. Yeah. Um, my um, my son was pretty severely bullied at one point in his life, and and we didn't really recognize it at the time. We we were thought, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> go ahead and, you know, yeah, life can be hard. Just go ahead and, you know, and, and we didn't really take it as seriously as I wish we would have. I didn't take it seriously. So I wish Rochelle did a good job taking it seriously. And I was, was like, ah, he's got to be a man. He's got to learn. And I really regret that now. But uh, Rochelle and I were just talking about this just a day or two ago. Everything that Eric went through made him a stronger person. Uh, if I had to do over, I wouldn't let him go through it the way I did before. On the other side of things, my son is a very strong person who's learned some very important lessons about life through that experience. And, and this is where I would say the, the things that don't break you do make you stronger, but we have to be careful when we say that because there are things that will break people, and it's not right to push people to that point and say, well, if you can't handle it, that's that's on you <laughs> somehow or you know, this is going to make you a stronger person. But in a world full of bullies, I think one of the things that we can learn to do is how to have compassion. Um, and that's what I see coming out of Eric. Eric has a strong sense of taking care of others um, that I was ridiculously proud of him 
in the last week because there were some kids that came into his room and were making some comments about about some girls that were were not the the kind of comments that you would want your child making about other people. Um, very um, very sexualized type of comments. And and Eric stood up and said, "No, no, no." Those are my friends. You're not going to talk about them that way. And I think that came out of his experience that he went through. And I think that one of the things that we can kind of learn is to stand up uh, when we've experienced bullying. We can learn to stand up for those who don't don't have a voice, that don't have the ability to defend themselves and and to do something about it, and to tell the bullies of the world, "Hey, that, it's not it's okay. Not, it's not, it's okay. not okay. Don't do that. That's you know." And, and I think that probably if most of us are honest in our life, we've been a bully at one time or another. <laughs> and it was, I, I, I have been, and I've been really grateful for the people who stood up and said, hey, Ken, that's not okay. That's not okay. Um, because it helped me, gave me the opportunity to change my behavior and to yeah. be a better person. Whereas when people are like, oh, okay, that's okay. Then, then you just continue on in that. So uh, in a world full of bullies, I think that, we have a, an obligation to stand up and say, "Hey, n- not okay, not okay." Yeah. Even when you're bullying the way I like you to bully, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, no, like, no, there's yeah, like, sure. I like, I like, I mean, I believe in Jesus and I want people to accept Jesus, but there, there are some spiritual bullies out mm-hmm. there <laughs> yeah. th- that spiritually bully, and that's just not okay. It's not okay to to humiliate, to scare people into quote unquote a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. No, that's true. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think that's very well said, Ken. And to to really whatever we can learn from having been bullied, to make sure we translate it into not being a bully. Yeah. And it's easy to be a bully and not even know it. So I think it's really important to to be sensitive to that whole idea. Am I am I overlording in any yeah. way? Well, I think it's it's such a fine line. Because we had the same problem when Ellie was in school early on, and you know we even you know went to the school. It's like well, we don't have a bullying problem, and it's like I don't think you know what problem you have because it's definitely one of those. But you know we we eventually just said this is you know we we can't work anything out. It's not it, we she needs to be away from it. But the bullying, like I think Ken, like what you mentioned, it's the fine line of when did you learn that bullies were bad that. And did you have support for them, like from your parents to say, it doesn't matter what they say, even though we know it hurts and we, we, we talk it all through. And now if anyone is a bully around Ellie, she will just be just like Eric. She'll be like, that's not okay. Or if you're leaving somebody out and partially that's due to her sister too, cause she gets bullied, but that's not okay here. If you want to play here, you have to play either everyone gets to everyone gets around or we're uh, no we're not doing that and so it's a it's a pride it's a dad proud moment when you when you see that but it's also really hard because my wife was the one i was kind of like you like hey well yeah she's like she's not a not a boy right doesn't need to be a man or anything like that i'm like yeah but you still gotta have some tough skin so guys probably listen to your wife when it comes to (laughs) when it comes to bullying they're probably a little more in tune than we tend to be All right, that ends the questions. Thanks, Jahimi. And from Anonymous, we appreciate all the questions that get sent in. And 
this week I one of the, Andy always had a ton of of whole life reflections and I appreciated one a lot this week it said if Christ has to save us in spite of ourselves how might we learn to lean in on him and find rest in our souls and I thought you know if you came out of anything this week and you you seriously sought Jesus out in this answer and said, Lord, how, how can I lean into you and how can I do this? That may be another one of those things that as we're looking to kind of figure this out and we haven't quite put our finger on it yet, it might be a good one to contemplate as we go into this next week. And so if you had any other questions that came up before or after 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. I almost said hospitalchurch.org. Andy, you're in the room. <laughs> and uh, it just about it just about came out that way. Towards the end of the message, Andy kind of wrapped it up. He said, here's the problem at every season. No matter the effort we put forth, no matter the hoops we jump, we cannot empty ourselves at all of self. All we can do is consent for Christ to do this work in us. Something also really, really good to remember. We can't do it, and all we have to do is consent for Christ to do it all for us. This week we have another guest speaker. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't aware until I read that this morning. I we guess do. I missed it. Yeah. Can you want to is, tell us about that? Yeah, we were scheduled to have the youth do the service last oh, Sabbath, right, yeah. and um, and then this next Sabbath we were scheduled to have uh, Carla Meunier uh, do the uh, the the sermon. Um, Rochelle and I have a little tradition where we try to um, get away on Labor Day weekend, and she's a teacher, and so <laughs> we have to take teacher holidays. So, um, so that's so that's uh, something that we try to do, and so we're going to spend some quality time together um, uh, this weekend. So I'm really grateful to our good friend Stanton Reed, who's going to mm. be speaking this next week. I think it's going to be fabulous. And and I did want to take All right. just a minute. We did not plan for the ending of the episode to go as long as it did with Andy, but Ken had some nice words and we got into kind of a nostalgic conversation with Andy. And so instead of making the episode longer this week, we decided to add that conversation for anyone that's interested into a bonus episode, which will come out as usual around 5 or 6 p.m. this coming Friday. So this is the end of the episode as we kind of had already wrapped things up and then we kind of went a different direction. So uh, next week as we finished up, I don't remember if we talked about it, but just in case, we are family arise to awareness with special guest speaker Stanton Reed. That's upcoming this Sabbath. So you don't want to miss that. I love Stanton and I can't wait to hear his message this week. So thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great week. And don't forget the bonus episode with Andy this coming Friday. 